Hello everybody, welcome back to In The Weeds. This is episode two. And this week I speak with Ollie Downey, who has a successful Instagram food blog called All's Food with around 30,000 followers. So I'm 37 and I remember life without the phone completely. Uh, it's interesting that Ollie was 27 and slightly younger generation. Now they talk about remembering things just without social media. So all Oz's business and ideas are all collaborated online. Very different to a bricks and mortar food and drink offering. And from this, he, he now has also developed recipes for the Courtney Black Fitness app, which across the two accounts has nearly 1 million followers. So we get a great insight into how this all works. Very interesting episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In The Weeds podcast. I'm delighted this week to have Mr. Ollie Downey, who has a successful food blog, um, self-taught recipe developer, a food blog's called All's Food. It has 30,000 followers. So it'd be great to have a little chat with him today about how he's using social media to, to push his business and find a bit more about him. So thanks for coming on, Ollie. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm good. Thank you. Trying to make the most of the lockdown and cooking and stuff. So yeah, not bad. Good, good. I talk a lot about merging industries and, and how kind of like tech and and food and everything made together. So be really interested to get your perspective where pretty much you, your full business is online, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting at the moment, isn't it? Because with usually with restaurants and stuff, people get attracted to go to places through word of mouth and stuff. And I think what social media has done now with technology and Instagram and stuff is that word of mouth is there really readily available now. So people... If someone, you know, there's thousands of recipe books out there, thousands of people doing it, Jimmy Oliver, loads of people doing online recipes, but with Instagram, people that upload, you know, people like visuals. So if someone makes your recipe on Instagram and then posts it, that's it's straight away, it's where the mouth and people see that and they get attracted to the visuals, not just, you know, some people are quite daunted by recipes. And I think that's quite interesting. That's kind of democratized the access to people and where the mouth for, for food bloggers and recipe creators and stuff online. Okay. Yeah. It is an interesting perspective on it. We'll talk a little bit more how you put it together in a minute. I mean, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how, how you came to do the food blog. Yeah, so I'm, as you introduced, I'm Ollie and I'm um, I'm 27 and I run the food blog. I've always been really interested. It probably started with my interest in nutrition. I used to be quite obsessed with nutrition. So I'd, like when I was younger, I'd say eat some raspberries or blueberries and I'd go and Google the health benefits of raspberries and blueberries. And then I'd, it became quite obsessive. I haven't got a, nu- a nutritional qualification, but I was just always got really interested in how, you know, food's just information. It's just, it tells our bodies to do things. And that's where my interest in food came from. I never used to be able to cook at all, to be quite honest. I think my mom taught me how to make an omelette when I was about 20. But I also loved, I've always been interested in photography, graphic design. So I love the aesthetic of food. So when I discovered that people were doing Instagram, doing recipes on Instagram, it was like, it was like killing two birds with one stone. It was perfect. I think also, like I said, there's always been a very limited number of chefs that do, that are quite accessible. And especially to young people like Jamie Oliver being the obvious one with his shows. And it's really, he gets people interested in food. He makes it not hard because it shouldn't really be that difficult, you know, cooking. And he's sort of got the monopoly on that. And I think with social media, it's opened up more avenues for other people to be able to do it. And that's kind of where it stemmed from. Um, so I just, you know, the way I learned to cook was just following recipes, getting, following different people. I never used to, I never had the confidence to make something myself. It was always, you know, I didn't have the confidence that I could do it. So I'd always follow recipes. And then as you, you know, this is what, when people say to me, oh, how do you learn to cook? What happens? Like, what's the process? For me, it was recipe books because 
you can once you start following recipes and you start to understand flavors and how things work together you've got confidence and you've got some conviction in what in what you're doing so you can say you know one of my favorite things to do is go okay i've got a lamb leg in the fridge that's all i've got and now kind of you can look at your cupboards and straight away you can kind of through processed elimination or whatever, you kind of go, that'll work, that'll work, that'll work. And you end up with something really tasty. And I think that just takes practice, that kind of developing your palate and understanding what flavours work together. And, you know, I, I'd never follow a recipe for cooking a steak now or or a roast chicken. I, like, you know, we don't even look at the timer when I cook a roast chicken now. It's just one of those things that it's like learning to ride a bike, isn't it? It's It just comes naturally after practice. So I think I just, yeah, I just put my mind to it and I just ended up really enjoying it. So how long have how long has the blog been live now? So the blog's been live for about two years, I think. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? It was it was really hard work to begin with. It was because I, I it was it was my personal Instagram to start with, and then quite a close friend said to me, "You need because I was putting pictures of food up anyway." Yeah. And she said, "You know, you need to start doing step by step. You need to start. You need to turn it into a food account and turn it into all food." And I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> and then I did it. And to be honest, the first year was just like a slog. It just took forever. You know, trying to get get a name for yourself and trying to get noticed and get the exposure is really difficult. And there's so many people doing it now as well. There's big competition. It actually started off the Instagram. I thought I'd be going down the restaurant review kind of avenue. Yeah. And Liverpool's really exciting at the moment with restaurants, as you know, with your restaurants. But it was, I feel like there's quite a lot of people doing the same thing. And it was trying to, I wanted to make it something really successful because I it was my, I didn't have another Instagram. It was, it was the only one I had. And I thought I've, I've now, I've taken the plunge. I've turned it into a food Instagram. I need to make something of it now. And so I went down that route and I thought this just isn't really working. It's quite difficult. You know, the thing about restaurants in Liverpool, there's a lot of pop-ups, new starts where people, you know, these, some owners haven't really got that much money or that much understanding of how to you know put a big bloggers night on or and create loads of food for people i think it's quite important to remember that and so it was quite slow and i was trying to rely on like friends who have got big followings to maybe like shout me out or make one of my recipes and then eventually i just decided to go full time kind of just step by step and just show people and i think that's what's been quite successful with it is that people people buy into the person i think more so than anything else and i think if people can like i have people that message me now and say oh i made your knocky dish last night and it you know i've never been i've never cooked before and, and it was amazing and i just think there's that many people there's that many people like jamie oliver so many recipes online so many food bloggers and they haven't kind of exhausted that avenue but and that just shows to me that people relate to a person as opposed mm-hmm. to and they have confidence in a person and I think they, even if you've never spoken to these people in real life, I feel like they've got, they feel like they've got a bit of a relationship to you and they trust you. And it's yeah. quite special, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, get, it gets a little bit unwarranted stick, Jamie Oliver, I think. I think um, mm. a lot of it's probably jealousy because he's so successful. But I think um, I'm, I really like his books. Yeah. Like the five ingredients one. I know the, the new one is uh, like what you said, it kind of like picking stuff that you will have in your fridge and stuff like that. And I think, yeah that's what people need because some recipe books you can you know some of the ingredients that one they're unaccessible two they're expensive and then it's like well you know someone with kids gonna really go out of the way to do that so i think i know it does cover that market well and i think like you say there's a big market for uh, online i think people look yeah online for that now than ever yeah i think he get. I, I agree i think he does get a bit of stick and i think i think that's probably because he's taken that plunge of He's gone like full family, like family recipe chef. He does like collaborations with Tesco, but you've got to remember that he's like, he's a proper chef, you know, like the Naked Chef book is incredible. Like he really changed things in the industry. 
I don't, yeah, I think his, people have kind of forgotten that. He just, he's just the person that's on on 8 a.m., 8 p.m. on a, a Friday night on BBC, you know, doing whatever. But it, he is. I think he's, yeah, he's, he's quite four. inspiring. Channel yeah. 4. <laughs> Sorry, BBC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, right. That's a good show as well. Um, yeah. Okay, so, and then, uh, how long did it sort of grow? So, to, what, it's around 30,000 now. So, how long is it taken to organically get like that? Like, what has been the process? Do you know what? It was probably, so I think before lockdown, I was in, I was on about 8,000 and that'd take, I think that, that, no, I think it was probably three years in total. So I think it had been two years before that of kind of just really hard work, consistent content. And then I don't know if it's exclusively either, either of these things, but there was lockdown and then there was the app with, with Courtney Black and those two things really just set it off. And it's, as I say, it's, it's grown kind of by like 23,000 just in the past yeah, and I think that's what it was. Yeah, so, okay, so split that into two, and so first, you know, you got lockdown. Now, obviously, lockdown is kind of catapulted quite a lot of things, you know. I've seen, like, some girl, you've seen the one that she, she's skip, skipping rope, started skipping rope, now she's got, like, 200,000 followers and teaching. <laughs> Mad. But there's all stuff, yeah. like, new things, and people yeah. onto it. What, so you, that was one of the, one of the questions. Obviously, lockdown is going to be a huge catapult to, to push that forward so you've seen so almost like twenty thousand followers through that and have you seen the engagement like people almost coming back and trying new dishes as as it goes yeah definitely like i probably now like before lockdown when i was just on when i was starting out you know no one made my recipes no one met or posted them online and now it's like this i'd say about 15 people a day probably are sending me pictures mm-hmm. or and putting it on their story and that's that's probably more from the fitness app side but it like it's incredible it can make you feel quite like it's quite crazy that people actually post it and they're, they're proud of it as well but that I, I think lockdown has had a big effect on that it's people are at home they are people seem to have really focused on hobbies and stuff throughout lockdown which is really nice to see you know as I said, cooking shouldn't be hard. I know it's really difficult for people, especially if you've got families, mm. you've got really fussy kids who are like the way they're eating habits and stuff. It must be really, really tricky. And I completely understand that. But I just, for me anyway, there's something really rewarding about cooking. Obviously people haven't been in work. And the main thing that I like about cooking is usually when I've been in work and I come home and it's just something completely different to do. It really relaxes you. But I think people have, you know, the banana bread trend and bacon and stuff, <laughs> people have just been spending time on it. And also, you know, people have been really hit financially by covid and by lockdown but i think also some people you know like me i haven't got the commute to work anymore i haven't got to buy lunches anymore i haven't got to and there's you know people have kind of re-realized their interest in things and they're kind of spending money on things like people are buying seeds to grow veg and people are you know making different things that they would never have usually made and stuff and i can i can see that reflected you know there's recipes that i do now where i might include like a bit of a crazy ingredient like a preserved lemon or whatever and usually people would never have done that but they are now and I don't. I think people are just kind of broadening their horizons. It's quite exciting to see. Yeah, and how do you actually put the blog together? So in regards to the photography, and obviously, you know, huge part of the industry, whether you've got a bricks and mortar site or you're doing a, a blog, is how your Instagram looks. But essentially now, I would say your Instagram is the first port of call for anyone. You know what I mean? Even if you're, that's mm. probably what I would say they do you know if you're gonna even if you visit a new place bang instagram what's it look like almost becomes that marketing tool for people deciding on the look and the aesthetic so yeah i know, I know, how, I know how, how how time consuming that can be you're right it's kind of you know i'll go to a new restaurant and as soon as i get there it's like check they've got instagram it's almost 
It's like people don't even judge a restaurant by being there anymore. It's about how they're branded on social media. You know, that's the brand, isn't it? And I think, you know, I think Duke Street Market, for example, is really great on on brand with social media um, and the restaurants there. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I think, so photography-wise, I shoot everything on my iPhone. I've got a camera. I've got a DSLR. I don't know how to use it. So I just kind of gave up on that. But I've got some good lights. I use like backdrops. So you can buy now online rolled up like posters and they're just backdrops of either like concrete, marble, wood. And yeah, that's it really. And then it just a bit of editing and it's good to go. If, if someone was starting to do one right now from scratch, what would you say, what advice would you give them? In terms of photography and aesthetic, probably definitely get a light. You don't, you don't necessarily need a camera. There's things that I can't do with my photos because I haven't got a camera. They're not, you know, Instagram's got its weird deep yeah. like compression files where it makes things not look great but definitely get a light and invest in a backdrop as well people always say to use daylight i find daylight a bit tricky it can wash your pictures out a little bit i think get a good light or two and they don't need to be expensive you know just go on amazon and get like a i think my lights for two would keep like probably 30 quid or something and yeah iphone's fine as well so yeah, i found just make, great yeah. now. they are they are great they almost like you don't need a camera i think sometimes there is obviously like you no. said, when you get technical, there is, but you could easily do a blog without a without a camera. Yeah, there's little tricky things you can do as well with a little tricks, should I say, where to photograph things. So if I've got a piece of meat or something which is supposed to be glazed, I'll always like rub olive oil over it before I take the photo or let your food cool down. You don't want to take a steamy picture, never works very well. Or if you've got like a stew and everything's kind of become the colour of the of the broth it's in. I take bits out, put them in a colander, rinse it off, put them back in so you can see the colour and stuff. There's just little tricks and tips you can do. On like that's the thing about the internet as well. There's so much stuff now. People can become professional photographers like on the internet. Mm. It's really interesting. It's that it and again, it's that sense of it's democratized things, hasn't it? It's it's got its faults, but it's also really democratized things and it's given people access to things that they wouldn't have had before. You know, you haven't got to sit and read a massive manual on photography anymore. You can I mean Depending on what you want to do, how professional you want to be, but there's so many things you can find out online. And what what's the plan moving forward with the blog? Where do you, you obviously do you work as well, or is this your full time? Yeah, no. So I'm a civil servant full time, so I work Monday to Friday, usually weekends as well, and then in the evenings I'll do recipes and stuff. I'll do obviously do the recipes for the app, and I'll do my, try and do my own recipes as well. Um, in terms of the future, I am working on a project at the moment that I can't really talk about, but I've basically been. I've got a deadline at the moment, so I've got to do 100 recipes by the end of March, and I've done half. So that's been really tricky because I'm working overtime at work as well. And then I'm, so I'm trying to do finishing work, going to the shops, coming back, cooking like six recipes, and then doing it all over again. And But eventually I want my own cookbook. That's the aim. Okay. And where where do you do all the cooking? In the house? Um, in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, in the house. So, but, so I'm, as I said to you earlier, I'm from near Liverpool. But I'm living in South of Wales with my partner and we've got an arga here. So it's really tricky. Now, obviously, argas are quite difficult to cook on anyway because you don't really have the control of heat and there's no flame and you can't control the heat of the ovens and stuff. But especially adding that, that I've got to be testing recipes that I've got to work for people who don't have argas. It's really tricky. So I've bought myself an electric oven that's just like a cheap oven that I can test things on. But yeah, it's really tricky. And then there's like four dogs here. There's like eight people live in the house and it's like people are just coming in and out and it, it is tricky, but it's good fun. It's all a learning curve. And you so you, you showed me, uh, obviously you're quite rural there and you, you grow in many, much of food or you're starting to. Yeah, we've started to. So basically where, where I live, 
my partner's grandparents, it's their house and they own, I think it's about 200 acres of land, which is, it's like an, a rural art space. So like people come and live on it and they live in like really small, like wagons and we're not in a wagon, we're in a house, but it's, it's really cool. And they, so they all work on the land and they've got like a big market garden where they grow loads of veg like walled gardens, they've got loads of land, they've got teepees and they rent it out and stuff for weddings. They've got like a big barn conversion thing. It's really cool. But we've got also got a little field where we grow some veg. We do like courgettes, potatoes and stuff, but they've been a bit neglected over lockdown, to be honest. So we need to pick that up again this year, hopefully. But yeah, I, look, I really enjoy growing my own food. I wish I could do it more. I think, to be honest, the, the process of growing things like potatoes is actually easy. Like, do you ever buy a potted basil from a supermarket and then you just cannot keep it alive? I feel like that's more difficult sometimes. But I just haven't really got the time to be investing in learning too much about growing stuff. But I'm trying my best. Yeah, it takes it it takes a lot of time and investment, to be honest. It's uh you've really gotta you've gotta be on it. But if I put you in one of um our restaurants, for example, some do you think you could do you think you could cook on in a service or God, that's a tricky question. <laughs> I doubt I could do I could probably I don't know, say I went in somewhere in Duke Street or something and like I could probably make a steak. <laughs> but I don't think I could do loads and loads and loads of steaks for loads of people. I get quite stressed when I'm cooking. That's probably my downfall. I get, I lose, I lose confidence a little bit. Yeah. And I'm kind of, you know, if I cook something for the family, for example, and I don't think it's up to scratch to what I would expect, I'll be like, oh, I'm really sorry. This is horrible. And they're all like, no, it's actually really nice. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. And I'd probably, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably end up going over to tables and apologizing before they'd even complained. <laughs> so you never, you never cooked in like a professional environment. No, and yeah, yeah. So, any what you know, the next question would be: Would would you think about that in the future of developing? Okay, you've got. A, would you have a bottle? Would you like to keep it a separate thing and be an online kind of or printed kind of scenario? Then, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's a tricky question, isn't it? Because it's kind of you must understand this. I'd never want to like. I'm I'm quite lucky that I've kind of got the hobby where I want it. It's kind of it's generating exposure. It's generating income. It's I love the photography side of it and then I love that connection with people as well. That's the most special part. And I don't know whether I'd lose that if I if I eventually trained and became a chef. I don't know what you think, but I don't know whether work's work and I don't know whether it would it'd lose some of its magic. I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, it's just an interesting question because like we say, mm-hmm. like you say, it's the industry's changed and food's changed. You don't have to be in that environment. It's not for everybody. It is stressful. And yeah. So that doesn't mean you can't cook. It's it's just a case of, you know, people think that if you're not a chef in those scenarios, then you can't cook. But it's a completely different thing. A service in professional kitchens is is a different scenario. You know, look at yeah. Nigella Lawson, for example, is probably a similar example to what you're saying. She she's a self taught cook. Mm. Yeah, one of the most successful. So yeah, I don't know. Each each to their own. Um, just a an interesting thing to see how they've. How, how things have merged yeah I think as well so I've actually I've got a law degree so I stood when I was after I came up college and stuff I studied a law degree so I did four years and I did three years in London and a year in Stockholm but I've always worked in restaurants as well so that whole time I was working in restaurants so my first job was actually in a Michelin star restaurant when I was 16 in Oxton village by where I live yeah or where I live and then from then I've worked in like loads of gastropubs in London loads of different restaurants worked for like a hotel chain in Liverpool and to be honest I don't know if that's just scarred me for life to be honest it's, <laughs> you know I must have worked in about 10 restaurants and it's I think on the one hand it's it's made me realize how, how stressful it is for chefs definitely 
And on the other hand as well, it's almost made, it's also made me really respect the industry. You know, I'd never, I'd never put a, a bad review on, on my Instagram about a restaurant. I genuinely hate TripAdvisor. Mm. I, I, I think it's so unfair. Yeah. I, I just, I just, I don't get it at all. I think a lot of food bloggers should probably be quite careful that, it, you know, Instagram could end up becoming the new TripAdvisor and it, I just think people should go and try it for themselves and see, and then they can make their own minds. And if they don't like it, don't go again. Tripadvisor is the devil, man. Uh, it's yeah, uh, awful. It's, you know, it's hiding behind the keyboard, isn't it? But it's kind of like, for me, it kind of, it's not what you want in like how you want to act in life as a human being. If you have a problem with somebody, you should be doing it face to face or, or bringing something up. And like you say, discussing something like a democratized manner, like you said before, you know, and, and you, you sort out your problems from there. And in the amount of like times, you know, you'd, you'd want it, and you want to hear these things there and then, because if you want to improve and thingy, then you don't know about it. So some of the exactly. things that I said on TripAdvisor, like I, I've, the, the really bad, I've, I, per, personal things about, about you know, the, si- the size of someone serving them to, to, the, to the chef, oh. lies. it's horrendous. And, and people should be ashamed of themselves. They do shouldn't be allowed to go out to be honest when i was working in restaurants it was sad because we were doing 200 covers on a friday saturday night mm. and when we used to have meetings after service and you know before service it was like how do we get TripAdvisor up how do we do this how do we do that and it's like the amount of energy that was spent on TripAdvisor as opposed to actually developing the brand it was shocking like it it's just i don't know it can be the downfall of places definitely i think and it's it, i just find it really unfair i think restaurant owners feel really cornered and like they they're ex- it's expected of them to be able to reply to every transpired message and sort it out and have over four and a half stars and it's yeah. just like I, I, the people that go on TripAdvisor and say bad things I just don't I don't understand why they go to restaurants to be quite honest yeah I think it will change a little bit and I think I think TripAdvisor as a company as well have a lot to answer for because if you've got uh you know some of the stuff that they don't take down that you tell them you know is ridiculous they just leave up so there, there's yeah. much to blame about it. So there needs to be some sort of middle ground uh, and they need to kind of change that mentality. And it shouldn't be that, you know, you should, you, you can again, go into places and say what you want. And then, you know, oh, you've got to bow down to these people when it's, it's not always, you're not, they're not always right. And that kind of thing of this industry and hospitality kind of like always bowing down and no, no, the customer's right. It's like, no, because that's how people speak. Definitely not. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'll say what I want to because she's, he's a waiter or he's a waitress it's that's not true at all and, and and i think that that is changing it definitely is but you won't get that on the continent you know you won't get that in no yeah so you mentioned sweden there did you did you work anywhere in sweden at all in i didn't work when i was in sweden actually i was studying there so i did a year at stockholm university what a city that is oh incredible absolutely loved it i think i probably could have got a job because the thing about sweden is all swedes from a young age are taught english so it wasn't like going to france where if you don't speak French, you kind of you're a bit stuck. It was like everyone spoke English, and they're real Anglophiles as well in Sweden. So, but I so I probably could have got a job, but I just I didn't. In the end, I just thought I'm only here for a year. I want to experience the city, you know. I want to knuckle down with what with studying and stuff. So it didn't work. But yeah, it was incredible. I got such a soft spot for it. Yeah, it can get cold, can't it? One when it was like mad. dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anywhere specifically that you you recommend over there? Anywhere specifically, uh, so there's a restaurant called Mr. French, which is amazing, and that's on on like on one of the lakes because it's obviously like an archipelago, not a lake, the lake, sorry, the sea. And there's another place called Storahoff, which is a, a fish restaurant in Storaplan, which is 
incredible. Like I used to just go down and have like lobster and stuff. Typical student. Um, <laughs> but yeah, incredible stuff. I loved it. Yeah. Great food scene as well. Quite under, underrated. I mean, I think it's funny with Sweden and Scandinavian countries, isn't it? It's like they, their food industry grew on because it's so cold and dark and I assume nothing grows in the winter. Everything's like it comes from preserving things, tins, mm. but it's, it's really kind of coming to its own and like, you know, there's Favacan, which is like one of the best restaurants in the world, mm-hmm. um, Michelin star restaurants. And it's, they've got such a connection to the land as well. That's what I feel like we've lost a lot of in this country. It's that connection to food. We're really lucky here because we've got farms just on in like the next fields and stuff. So we get like lamb yeah. scents and stuff, which is gorgeous. But people, you know, you can, I find it mad when you walk into a restaurant here now. So you're not a restaurant, a supermarket and, you can buy like 30 chicken breasts in a packet and it's like no idea where it's come from. Did, were they even on the same field? Like, you know, it's just it's crazy. Mm. Like you can get 15, 20 chicken breasts, that convenience, yeah. you know, I'm all for people in, with, with families and stuff. It, again, that must be tricky. You know, they need cheap food. I think food should be cheap for people like that, but it's just, I don't know, there's something going wrong there, isn't there? Yeah, no, it's right. There was that. Well, it was document. Remember the documentary where they were all coming out of the same factory with the chicken and then rebranded to each supermarket. I mean, yeah, that's scary. But that's kind of where it's really so important now, isn't it? About where you source and your food, and people need to know more about it. That's actually really exciting. What's happening on Instagram? I think there's quite a lot of, especially with food bloggers, people are really getting interested in butchers. Obviously, Bone and Block do have sell meat and stuff now. And I've got meat from them and it's incredible. But there's there's like there's loads of butchers online that just do deliveries and food bloggers are really starting to to use it. I think not even just for the not even for the ethical side of it, but for the taste. Yeah. I don't think I'd go into a supermarket now and buy a steak. I just don't think I would. No. They just wouldn't interest me, I don't think. Because you just once you've had like a dry aged, mm-hmm. you know, piece of Hereford beef or something or gorgeous Welsh lamb, you just can't you don't go back. By the way, at, back to Stockholm and Adam Albin restaurant and Exted. Did you ever they're, they're two great ones if you ever go back. In Stockholm? They're really good. Right, okay. Um, so just, yeah, just give them a little shout out first. Le- leading on to, obviously, sourcing and, and nutrition. This is, again, something, the other side of kind of what you're doing at the moment. And you're developing recipes for, it's for an app, isn't it? That is is a fitness app, isn't it? Yeah, so Courtney Black's fitness app, and she basically does like live workouts. So she starts, she actually grew over lockdown as well. She did, she does live workouts on Instagram, and then she's brought an app out. And I do basically all the recipes for the app. Right. That's really what was about 130,000 followers when I last looked, I think, on that. Yeah, she's on nearly 800,000, and the app's on 130,000. I think it's, it's in the top 10 health and fitness apps on the app store. So it's quite a big deal, really. <laughs> yeah. And how did that come about to, to, to sort of develop stuff for that that's 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 good she actually like she, she she's followed me for a while and she just messaged me so i think we i think we'd spoke a few times and she knew that i was trying to get a bit more exposure and take things to a new level and she was looking for a recipe developer at the same time she's got rid, rid of her old nutritionist and recipe developer and she just approached me and said would you be interested in doing some recipes obviously I'm, i know you're looking for exposure and i think you'd be really good i like your images i like your aesthetic and we can so i did a batch of 55 recipes for that to begin with and that was really successful i think she's obviously she's got a lot busier over lockdown her brand has grown ridiculously so i think it was just take i think she wanted someone to take it off her hands a little bit and i think that's what's happened i think it's worked really well 
I mean, it's quite difficult. It's quite a different thing to have to do. You know, if I put in a recipe on my own Instagram, then, you know, anyone who wants to make it can make it. There's no, there isn't a particular demographic, but there's quite a lot of constraints on the app because it's, they've all got to be a certain amount of calories, got to be under a certain amount of calories. They've got to have a certain amount of protein. They've got to be, you know, going to be cooked by people that can't cook or don't really have an interest in food. They've got to be, can't have too much fat. I've got to work out all the calories and stuff and all, all the macros. And as I say, they've got to be really simple and really quick. So it's quite tricky, actually, trying to get all those things in one, but still make them really tasty as well and different. Yeah, it's a whole different ball game. That um, yeah, and be and uh, yeah, obviously, no people who do that as well, and it it can take time. And but it's it, you're going to learn a lot about a lot about food and what and it goes on your plate. I think so. You know, some people be shocked at how how many calories certain items have that kind of you know some of the sauces and things that boost the plate. If they you know it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So what and is that where you see it going then more towards a kind of health angle or do you feel or is that you like both sides of it? For me personally, it probably won't. That's more for the app. I I've never really been big on my recipes having to be healthy. I just enjoy healthy food and that's just what I end up making really. You know, I've got recipes on my Instagram that are like full of all sorts of crap, but they're tasty. But I I don't know, I just find healthy food more interesting. Yeah, it's, and it's better to photograph as well. Um, so I'll, I'll never, I'll probably never put calories on my post on Instagram for people because mm-hmm. I just, for me personally, I don't think it's the most important thing. Obviously, for her app, that's what it's a fitness app, so obviously she's going to want those things. But for me personally, I'm not big on. I'm more about positive nutrition. So what is this doing for you as opposed to being more to being restrictive? You know, what, you've got this amount of fiber in this. How's that going to affect your body? This amount of soluble fiber you've got all the you've got this amount of omega-3s in this what's that doing for your brain you've got this amount of protein in this what's this doing for your cells you know it's more about positive nutrition and not restricting i don't like restriction in food i just personally for my instagram there's a, definitely a market for it and she's at the top of that market so she's doing really well and it works and people expect it and that's why she's responded to that in that way people expect that and it works as well you know if you're in a calorie deficit you'll lose weight it's quite simple but yeah. it's a conscious decision though isn't it so if you're yeah. if you are following that app and you're doing workouts then you want a nutrition to to go alongside it whereas that's a conscious choice isn't it whereas like you say if yours more a lifestyle but then again like you say it gives people the opportunity to to make their own mind up but i find it quite interesting like that's all been developed via instagram the word of mouth she's contacted you via instagram and have you ever met in person I haven't met her yet. So we did plan for her to come up to Liverpool. I think it was in October and then the second lockdown came in. So we couldn't. So no, I've never met her. So the relationship we've had this for the past year has solely been through WhatsApp. That's yeah, we've, I think we've I think we've only had two phone calls. Wow. She, I mean, she's lovely. Like she's really supportive and she's, you know, she's a cracking business person. And we will obviously meet eventually, hopefully this year. And that'll be fun. But it's, it just goes to show what you can do. You can build, you can literally build a business online. You can build a multi-million pound business online. It, 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 yeah, it's that. I mean, look, that's the way it's it's progress, isn't it? It's just like you say, it's probably, it's finding that balance where that connection, isn't it? I find that fascinating. You've never met her. It's, it's great. Like, I think it's it's brilliant how that can be done and how people can connect from different walks of life. But like you say, I think you, you see through the lockdown as well, you know, I think having that personal touch as well is, is the other side of it. It's interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think... Um, I think there's an aspect of trust in it as well. I think, and I think she, I think that's why she probably picked me. She probably thought, I feel like I could get on with this guy. You know, I see myself in him a little bit. 
And she, you know, now it's, I think the, that's the only way it's kind of worked online is that she'll say, we need to come up with another 10 recipes. You know, I want to do a, a 10 salad recipes for the app. I want to, I want to do a week of breakfast. I want to do a week of desserts. And I'll just send a load of ideas. And she'll just go, yeah, go do it. You know, so she's got a, there's a level of trust there. I don't know if I've ever sent her a photo and she's gone, I don't like that. I think we just kind of, we bounce off each other and she kind of, we've got the same outlook on it and the same approach to it, which is beneficial. Do, do you think that like anyone kind of in the twenties now is kind of, whereas I'm, I'm slightly older, so I'm like 37, whereas I find that I'm aware of it, but you know, I don't know whether like if 20, they're just used to that's how you, that's how you interact and you can, you can start a business like that and you don't have to meet people and things. Do you think it is kind of a generational thing as well? Yeah, definitely. I think, I don't know. See, I'm 27, so I'm still young, mm. but I can still remember life without social media. Yeah, yeah. And it's, some people can't, like literally can't, young people. And I don't know, I think it can be good and it can be bad. I've seen, biz- I've, I know people that have got businesses that it's like the TripAdvisor thing. It's, they care more about what they're putting on social media than they do about actually having tangible customers. Right. You know, there's businesses online that look like they are multi-million pound businesses that like probably aren't actually trading that much because there's this expectation that you've got to have this certain look on Instagram and on social media, which I think, as I say, things, it's got benefits social media because businesses have arisen out of it, like me and Courtney and stuff and other businesses. But I think, I don't know, it's like, it seems like we're treading on a bit of dangerous territory almost. Mm. It's kind of, it's all, it's all about the aesthetic, isn't it? all about it's not you know people think that once they've got 100,000 followers they've, they've done it that's like in that's in real life it's the equivalent of making a million quid in a business or something you know it's like I've done it and it's I don't know I don't know if, I don't know if it really satisfies you that much it's 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 the problem is it's not regulated either is it yet and then no. the problem and it's having that middle ground of what you know obviously you know it's a bit different with food I think it's that very difficult if that's going to offend anybody but then, you know, then you've got obviously the pressure on, say, like young women and men, you know, about how they need to look and how this looks. And it seems that everything is via that. So you like for me, it's like, oh, I remember life without the mobile phone at all. Whereas you're saying now, I don't remember life with social media. Is that the next step? Do you get what I mean? Is that the next generational thing where is there going to be something after that? Where, you know, I just worry about I have young kids and I think, well, how is that when they're like 10, 11 in? Well, say 13, 14 in 10 years, how's it going to be then? It needs to be regulated because, as you know, too much time on internet and stuff, it's not healthy, like, it really isn't. Speaking no, of- definitely not. And if, yeah, I think as well, like you were saying about there's an expectation that people on Instagram have to look a certain way or whatever. And I think there's, another, there's a dangerous side to food on Instagram as well. That's why I'll, I try my best not to say anything nutrition-based on Instagram with recipes because I'm not, I'm not qualified. That's something that I want to do quite soon is get a nutritional qualification because. I don't want to be, as I said, I don't want to be restrictive. I don't want to say, oh, if you eat this, you'll lose weight. Of course I won't. Even saying this is a superfood, you know, there's, in my opinion, there's no such thing. But food's just food. But it's, I think people need to be really careful about what they say about food because, and it goes hand in hand with when you go on Instagram now and you see these influencers and they're, you know, got these editors' photos and they're gorgeous and they're skinny and that must be so damaging to girls mm. to see that too. And it's not even like you're, you've you've those girls have followed these people but they're it's not even like they've even necessarily chosen to go and look at that picture you're scrolling down your phone and the pictures are just there for you anyway to see whether you want to see them or not and it's that constant bombardment of expectation information 
you have to look like this, you know, you'll be happy if you look like this, you'll be happy if you've got this new expensive bag. And just, I don't buy it. And the more, the more you look at it, and I think people as well, they don't realise about the algorithms. So the more you look at something, the more it's going to push something that looks like that. So you're always getting sold something. It's very subliminal. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's something that needs to be done soon, like you say, because if it carries on in the next few years, it'll just get out of control, I think, and then it'll be, it'll be quite toxic. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually, with the algorithm, because if you think, it's almost, almost creates like an addiction, doesn't it? Because if you think about it, if you've looked at something, so Instagram's gone, oh, he's looked at that, let's give him more of that. Eventually, your whole Instagram's just going to be full of those things. Mm. Like, how much do you need? How many nice bodies do you need to see? How many people do you need to see telling you to lose weight? You know, there's a time and a place, but... But like you say as well, back to like your food blog, it might be, it, it has a lot of competition. So the more people, someone looking at food blogging, you get that scream first, don't you, where, you know, and there must be a lot, like you say, it's not down to geographical location. So you must have, you must be hundreds of thousands. So to be actually to make a successful food blog, like you say, it must have been hard work to get that really off the ground to where it is now. Yeah, it took ages. It was just stagnant for the first year. But obviously you grow. Like I look at my old pictures now and I'm like, oh, I did not put that on Instagram. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, you just learn. And it's, I think what, I think with, even with business as well and anything, it's about, it's about luck. It's about hard work and it's about luck, but then it's about exploiting that luck. Mm-hmm. It's about realizing you've been given a bit of a break and ex- I'm just running with it as much as you kind of milking it till the cows come home. You know, it's like, and I think that's the thing. And, you know, not to be afraid to ask for help as well. And, you know, I've asked, I've messaged people who I don't even know who've got 100,000 followers and been like, can you give me a shout out? And they've just ignored me or they've gone, yeah, okay. And that's, you know, it's kind of hopping from people to people and trying to get more followers and then consistency as well i mean everyone talks about consistency in terms of growing a food blog but it's really tricky like i haven't posted a recipe on my instagram i don't think since december but that's just because i've been so busy with this project and with the app recipes you know the thing with instagram as well is it's there's this expectation to be consistent with posts but it's really 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 tough it's you know people have got lives and life life sometimes gets in the way and i always feel i it's almost like i'm a bit of mum guilt like i always feel like I feel really guilty that I haven't posted for ages am I going to lose all my followers and this and that and that can be quite pressurising I think consistency is really important if you want to grow something successful and I you know I could definitely be more consistent but like people have got lives you know it's not all about Instagram and I think it's you've got to remember that and it goes back to it's that convenience thing and that expectation that demand it goes back to TripAdvisor people you know People used to go to a restaurant and didn't have a very good experience. So they go back and they try it again and see if it's any better. Now it's that demand for, you know, restaurants can't do any wrong anymore. It's like you go and if you don't like it, that's it done. That's your first impression. And it's this like demand for just perfection all the time. And it, goes, it feeds into everything, I think. The, the other thing you've got with that is that when, say, before social media and things like that, people would read reviews and then they would go and try the restaurant. So you get them through your front door. Whereas now... Like we were saying before, people have already decided. So your photography, your aesthetics, your food and how it looks will decide whether someone will come even before they've stepped in the door. So your journey from your guest is starting well before they even set foot in the restaurant, which or bar, whatever, whatever business it is, to be honest, there's shops, retail, but, uh, but then again, shops, retail, you can get stuff sent to your house. Whereas, you know, you've got to go in and experience it. It's, it adds that whole extra layer all the stuff that you've got to think about, which again, which which is a lot of hard work. 
Yeah, it's interesting as well. Like, I don't know any young people that still read Jay Rayner and Great Dance. And it's like that TripAdvisor thing and the Instagram thing. People, food bloggers, and just ordinary people review, reviewing restaurants and TripAdvisor have become the new reviewers, haven't they? It's like. Is it anyone you, you put in that bracket? Obviously, you mentioned two of the, they're two of the biggest critics there is. Is there anyone online? I'm, I'm not that clued up on it. So, is there anyone online who's as big as them on an Instagram term? No. No. I mean, it's how you define success, I suppose, though, isn't it? You know, these are these are experts in what they do. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there is, and I think this is why I found it tricky to get in the Liverpool restaurant reviewer side of blogging because there's only so much you're going to be able to give your followers. There's only so much people look. So many people looking at that post. It's not like it's plastered in the Guardian for millions of people to read. People need to just like obviously pick whatever lane they want to be in. But it didn't really work for me. I still get invited to restaurants, and I'll still go. And as I say, I'll never put a negative review on, especially not during COVID, because it's hard enough for restaurants. You know, there are a few bloggers who are journalists as well. And in Liverpool, there's a few, but I don't know. I just wouldn't, I just feel a bit silly going in and I'd feel silly giving like a bad review in a restaurant because it's like, who are you? Mm. You know, there's people that spend their whole lives doing this for newspapers, national newspapers and stuff. I think let's just leave it to the experts. <laughs> okay, so... You obviously we're talking about nutrition and health or anything, and you you mentioned about your blog being to kind of lifestyle and things. So, how do you link that into to mental health? Because obviously eating well, regardless if it's calorie controlled or lifestyle, is important to your mental state, and especially when you're in lockdown as well. And you know, portraying this across to people, how 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 do you think about do you think about that consciously? Yeah, I think foods foods become really confused people. And I don't think that's right, you know, so people are obsessed with, you know, it was first, it was fat's really bad and now carbs are really bad. And, you know, the brain, for example, is 60% fat, just under 60% fat. We need fat in the diet. Fat won't necessarily make you fat. It depends on the quality of the calories you're consuming. You know, sugar's a little bit different because sugar does, when your body breaks down carbohydrates into glucose, it's kind of used and stored in the same way. But with this is the difference with meat, for example, quality meat. If you get a quality piece of meat, from a butcher's that's been reared, you know, two miles down the road, the quality of those calories are going to be so much greater than a factory farmed kind of caged animal. Yeah. And I think people need to realise that the calorie, it's not all about calories. Like we need calories and we need fat. But then again, on the same side, sugar, you know, glucose is the brain's preferred source of energy. So, you know, starch your carbs, especially in winter and through lockdown, just eat your carbs, like just do it, it's fine. Like potatoes and pasta and whatever. These all benefit mental health you know i think there's mm. a lot of research being done now into the gut and the microbiota and the microbiome and you know we're living alongside this kind of living ecosystem in our bodies and that needs to be nourished with probiotics like yogurt even or you know kombucha or whatever you what whatever you prefer vitamin d is really important for mental health as well especially during the winter because it's darker I think we, our bodies can't, I mean, the research shows that our bodies, I think between late September and late March, our body physically can't absorb enough vitamin D from the sun. It's just not strong enough. So I personally take a vitamin D supplement in the winter. I mean, if people want to do that, then, you know, speak to their doctors and see if that's something they can do. But eating things like oily fish, red meat as well, fortified foods. I think there's a, it's difficult as well with the vegan and vegetarian thing. Like yeah. my outlook on it is that, you know, we can eat, we can have a healthy lifestyle as a vegan. But I think it's about listening to your own body, and my body prefers meat. You know, there's, yeah, 
you know, you can get oily fat, you can get essential fatty acids from nuts, but they're not half as readily absorbed as it is from fish or like vitamin B from meat is really difficult to um, absorb. So some people take substitute supplements for that. But I don't know, I, I just think it's how much more exciting is that side of nutrition than like restriction, restriction, restriction. Like there's so much you can do, like just learning about food and understanding the, as I said, it's food's just information. It just, you, you consume it and it tells your body to do something. And there's, you know, there's inflammation has been quite a big thing, I think, in research as well at the moment with kind of stress, the gut. And I think, you know, there's little things you can do, like try to not cook with vegetable oil or try to not, you know, eat too much sugar or try to, you know, instead get a good quality olive oil or instead get good, good quality meat or go to a fishmonger. I know they feel like there's no fishmongers around anymore, but, mm. You know, I don't know. I think, and I think for mental health, it's quite good to have that connection with food as well to understand where it came from. I don't know. I think there's, I think throughout history, humans have always either reared their own animals and kind of killed their own animals mm-hmm. or grown their own food. And now it's just like, there's just like a blur. We just don't know where it's come from. We don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. There's no sort of like mindfulness, is there anymore when we eat for a lot of people? Mm, I think like, you say, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a big difference with calorie control to actually starving yourself, you know, and that's, that's the fine line in nutrition because obviously if you're, if you're working out and you, you're having a calorie controlled diet with it, that's, that's what you need. Whereas, you know, you do see things where like, we'll go into a deficit of this much and, you know, th- these things aren't good for mental health. Again, it goes back to like pressurizing people's how you want to look, I think, you know, and it's like, well, put yourself in a thousand calorie deficit every day. You're going to end up ill and affect you mentally. You might look physically better. Mentally, you're going to be very strained. So I think it's finding that balance and not having pressure on people, like you say, and being, you know, yeah. shouldn't have to, shouldn't be so many rules. I think it's important as well to say, but you know, food is only going to do so much for your mental health. You know, if you're really struggling, go to your doctor. Like, it, you know, food has obviously got plays a, a vital role in mental health and you know, sustenance, nourishment, and keeping our bodies working. But I'd never want people to feel like I feel like crap because I've not eaten well enough, or you know, there's only so much it can do. But it, it can become an enjoyment. It can become a hobby. It can be, become something that you really do enjoy learning about. But you know, we're living in crazy times. Like, if, do what you need. Do you know what I mean? So, what do you like? What do you like to on a personal level? And what do you like to to preach? What you practice? Do you eat? Do you eat your own food, or do you, how's your diet? Um, in the s- summer and autumn, we we do eat the vegetables here. Good. My diet's not as good over lockdown, but because I've just thought to myself, I'm not actually putting that much pressure on myself. I'm just going to eat what I want. I don't personally eat breakfast usually. I don't know. I just funny breakfast. I've read the research on breakfast and stuff and how whether we need breakfast and does it make us lose weight and stuff like that. And I think it just boils down to you do what how do you think about how your how you how does your body feel with breakfast and without breakfast. I think it's important for people to, to eat breakfast, but I just I quite enjoy not eating in the morning. I don't know why. I'll just have lunch. But I do try and eat a lot of vegetables, so I just feel better for it. I feel better when I eat fish and stuff as well. When I eat like a good amount of fatty acids, I feel good. Yeah. I drink too much coffee, definitely too much coffee. <laughs> I have like five cups a day. It's ridiculous. Wow. But I used to be quite obsessive about it. I used to like I'd only drink green tea. I used to have like a bowl of broccoli for dinner. Like I was ridiculous, but that in itself is not healthy. Yeah. So I try not to put too much pressure on myself and people shouldn't. I think just eat what you enjoy at the moment. Like right. we're literally locked down for it's been an a year now. Mm. Eat what you want. Uh, it's in the breakfast. I love breakfast, like, but I like I like I'd almost like eat like yogurt, fruit and stuff for breakfast, but then I kind of push 
I'll say, you suppose like eggs and salmon and that you some people consider breakfast. I love to have that at lunch. So it's like a oh yeah. So I that prefer. I can't eat that too early though. It's in, it's uh, each their own, isn't it? You know what I mean. My partner can't just hates breakfast. Just doesn't eat them. Like, I'm like yeah. I, I, my partner's like as soon as you wake up, it's like I'm hungry, and I'm like oh it's minging. Like how can you be hungry like as soon as you wake up? I don't get it. But yeah, I'll wait a little. I'll wait a little bit. So. Um, what are you what are you missing i mean what's been like cultures cuisines where where would you where'd you like to get out here when when we're all back to normal i miss definitely miss going out for dinner i'm quite lucky in wales because we i think we are they lifted the restrictions here before england so we were able to start going out again for food which i did that was really nice obviously really enjoyable but then 15th lockdown came in so but i miss going out to restaurants is my like my actual favorite thing to do and liverpool's really exciting with the scene you know you've now got loads of independence and that's really exciting there's loads of places um there's such a buzz now and there's always somewhere new to try i feel like uh, i feel like i've done loads of restaurants in liverpool but they've still hardly done any there's just new ones popping up all the time and stuff which is really good but that's what i miss i miss being able to go out for drinks going out for food you know i haven't seen my dad for a year i haven't seen my dad since march and that's been quite tough but he's hopefully gonna have a vaccine soon i mean that's another thing like there's a vaccine coming guys like you know, there's a there's a roadmap out. Hopefully, I'm really lucky here though as well because we because it's so rural. I can go and walk in the fields. I can go and yeah. you know it's and some people don't have that. Some people are living in like blocks of flats with no garden, and I cannot physically understand how hard that must be. Yeah, everyone has with kids. Problem. Yeah, it's very hard. Yeah, really yeah. tricky. So, one thing I'd like to ask my guests is: Do you ever have in obviously the podcast called In the Weeds in uh, hospitality terms? It's you know when you kind of shit it's a fan. So do you ever have a moment in your life where it could be anything that sticks to mind that could be stupid, embarrassing, or, or something that's really pushed you forward? What, what Is there any specific moments? There's, there is a time when shit hit the fan, to be honest, like big time. It was when I was, I was a host in a restaurant in Liverpool <laughs> and it was a rooftop restaurant and they had like a big terrace outside and they had the restaurant inside with the terrace was kind of parallel to it, which look, it looked out over Liverpool. It was beautiful. And I had we'd moved over to a new booking system so we'd gone from quite a clunky system to a new system but a lot of the bookings hadn't moved over uh hadn't migrated over and we had it was summer it was boiling hot we had a full terrace outside and we had a full restaurant and the next minute about 100 people walked in and they'd just come back from a wedding the bride walked in with a wedding dress on and was like oh we're here for our um wedding oh meal and i was like oh yeah Bob, i'll just go and check on the system went on like just no booking there at all and it was full so we had to clear, oh my God, it was just awful. It, it makes me want to cry thinking about it. it was like, so we had this woman in a wedding dress kicking off, saying, we need everyone out. We, we want, we booked this out and stuff. We paid our deposit. They paid, they paid like £600 for food and there was no food. There was no pre-order, nothing. So we ended up kicking everyone out of the restaurant. Well, no, we didn't kick everyone out of the restaurant, but we had to clear the terrace for them to have it. And that was just, we were moving to a new system. So it wasn't all my fault, but it was my fault. You know, I took the blame. But that was horrendous. I wanted to just jump off the terrace. Okay, so what happened? What what was the what was the outcome? Um, oh, it got taken out of my hands. No, it got taken to you got yeah got taken. To, it was just kind of senior managers were there at the point at that point. They got free food. I think they got the six hundred pound food free. Did they actually sit in in the end? Yeah, oh, they yeah, did. The terrace, but yeah, it was really difficult though because people were on the terrace and they were like, you know, no one told us there were bookings here. Well, I didn't want to have to move, and it was just like, please, just go. I'm so okay. sorry. 
They'll see. It's just awful, though. They'll like, this is the wedding day. Traumatised by it. <laughs> Honestly, like, if my head wasn't screwed on, I'll tell you. But do you know what? I learned quite a bit from that. It was like, and everyone's, people who've worked in hospitality know, like, you know, I've, I've poured hot oil over someone's fair coat and I've done, you know, dropped a cup of hot coffee over someone's lap and stuff. Like, it always happened. You just, it definitely makes you stronger, I think, but you, you're never ready for it when it comes. Yeah. That'll only make you stronger, that putting yourself in situations like that. That's what, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad one. Feel for you there. Just finally, is there anything, you know, any words of positivity or anything about, you know, food or your blog that you want to you wanna add in? Probably that, to be honest, from the responses I've got to my recipes that people have said, I've never cooked before, I've never made pasta before, I've never made a pie, I've never made pizza, you know, I've never, never even made a salad. And then saying that it was gorgeous. It's like, there's a lot of confused information out there about food and try and just work your way through it. Try and just decipher what you take from it. Like food shouldn't be that tough. It should be enjoyable. It's just food. Like don't stress out too much about it. Um, I try and reply to every single message that I have. I think that's really important. So if you ever need, you know, if you want to create one of my recipes or if you just want a tip on food or you can always, my DMs are always open and there's people there that can help. Don't kind of put so much pressure on yourself and, it, and you know what the amount of times I've cooked recipes and I've been like this is actually disgusting you know it, you, your, your taste will just develop over time when you begin to do it and stuff and don't feel so hard on yourself if it doesn't work you know give it to the dog <laughs> well listen uh, thanks so much for your time all and you know I wish you all the best in, in the future with your blog and it's great to see it being successful well, thank you so much it's been amazing Good and good luck with the restaurant see if that takes <laughs> all over soon yeah thanks man well thanks guys for listening and thanks once again to Ollie you can check out his food blog on Instagram which is all food plenty of recipes there to get your head around and get your teeth into so hope you enjoyed the episode I'd also love to hear your feedback through my social media which is Fazmangoes on Twitter or Instagram or you can go to my website mattyfarrell.co.uk which has some of my writing and you can also subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again, guys, and I'll catch you next week. Stay safe.